0: Today begins our series on the Golden State Killer. We'll start the story telling the early days of his criminal activity, when he committed well over 100 home break-ins in less than two years, earning him the nickname, the Vesalia Ransacker. But after that, the crimes escalated. The Golden State Killer began stalking and plotting his break-ins around young, vulnerable girls. During these break-ins, he was now tying the victims up and raping them multiple times. He then garnered the nickname, the East Area Rapist. And unfortunately, the police had no leads or credible information as to who this man was. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought tonight's show was about
1: LeBron James in Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals when Cleveland won the championship, stick around. Sadly, that is not this story. This is Necronomapod.
0: From June until December of 1976, one man raped 10 women in Rancho Cordova, Citrus Heights, and Carmichael. Press conferences about rapes became all too regular. If he was contacted on the street, he would be complacent, cooperative. However, if he was put in a threatening situation, he could be very dangerous. Investigators displayed maps of targeted areas, all the while the East Area Rapist grew more and more terrifying. All this in an era when the Sacramento Police Dispatch had an actual switchboard. A recent rape victim had precious seconds to telephone for help. She dialed operator. Unfortunately, the operator did not come in on the line. So before we get started uh, with today's episode, just want to throw out a, a, a quick little um, uh, warning that we're going to be getting into some pretty heavy stuff when it comes to uh, some rapes that this, uh, this guy committed when breaking into some homes. So obviously, listener discretion is advised, but um, we're not going to get into all the full details necessarily, but it does get into some pretty heavy stuff that some listeners might not be into uh, or might find offensive. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up off the bat. Uh, You might want to skip those parts if that's not uh, something you're interested in hearing. On top of that, we have a uh, pretty popular subject here we're starting, something that's a little bit more in the news recently. Very current, huh? Yeah, this is probably the most current thing we've done so far, I I would say. Yeah, we usually don't touch things until they've kind of been out of the news for a while and all the details, you know, and all the dust kind of settles and the details come to light. But I guess this one's just kind of over and finished with now, right? So... Jumping on and hopefully giving people here a pretty good comprehensive look at uh, the Golden State Killer.
1: Forty-five years in the making, right? Just took a long time to play out.
0: Yeah, and there hasn't been, Ian. I think from what your research, there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, podcasts or, or or shit done on on this guy, has there? Not that I saw, like since he's been
2: sentenced and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's some out there that have. I mean, there's some out there that have covered it, but nothing. That I saw since, yeah. he got, since he got sentenced and all that.
0: Well, hopefully we get some new people checking this out, wanting to find some information about him. So we'll try not to suck here today. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the yeah. effort. That's my pep talk to you guys. Yeah. go psyched. out there and try not to suck. So, all right. Well, we got, a, we got a lot of information to get through today. So why don't we just jump on in? This story
2: starts in 1974 with a spree of home break-ins that lasted 20 months by a man who would first be dubbed the Vesalia Ransacker. In this 20-month period, the ransacker would be responsible for 120 break-ins, one murder, and one attempted murder. The first recorded ransacking was on Tuesday, March 19, 1974, when $50 of coins was stolen from a piggy bank. Most of the ransackers' activities involved breaking into houses, going through or vandalizing the owner's possessions, scattering women's underwear, and stealing a range of low-value items while often ignoring banknotes and higher-valued items that were in plain sight.
1: Interesting. You don't hear the what word episode? ransack too much anymore. People don't use that word anymore.
0: Yeah. No, it's kind of fallen by the wayside.
1: Look here, see? I'm going to come over and ransack your home place if you don't shut your mouth. <laughs>
0: We, what episode was it where we talked about stealing or something with women's underwear, and we asked if women would even know if like a pair of their underwear was stolen from their house? Jerry Brudos. Yeah, it was a Jerry Brudos. Ago. Was it Brudos? We got a few people that responded back, pretty much saying like, uh, "No, we would not notice," which I think is pretty right. Like you know, yeah, who, who keeps inventory on their underwear that well?
1: We tucked that knowledge away for future, you know, use when it might come in handy. Of course. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and this kind of, this does seem, this is real similar to Brutos in that respect is that this is like a just a straight up thrill thing because he's not stealing things of value, you know.
1: The thrill is in the act act itself, not in the
2: thing he might get out of it. Right, it's just the thrill of breaking in and, you know, fucking with people's stuff. The ransacker would also often arrange or display items in the house. Items emptied included piggy banks and coin jars, and stolen items often included blue-chip stamps, foreign or historic coins, and personal items such as earrings, cufflinks, rings, or medallions, but also included six weapons and various types of ammunition. Multiple same-day ransackings were common as well, including 12 separate incidents on Saturday, November 30th, 1974.
1: Damn. It was a busy day for this guy. It was was a day after Black Friday for everyone else. He's having his own Black Friday in in people's homes while they're out shopping.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what signature, uh, your guys' signature calling is, but when I break into homes, I often, I'll go through their pantry, eat a whole bunch of their Chef Boyardee, like beefaroni and (laughs) spaghettios, and then I stack (laughs) the cans in a pyramid and leave it on the table. And, you know, I'm like the the Chef Boyardee thief is what they call me. (laughs) Interesting.
1: I found my house like that one night. I was wondering what the fuck was going on.
0: Yep, that was me. Well, I figure. I ransacked your pantry. (laughs) Common MOs of the burglaries
2: included scaling fences and moving through established routes such as parks, walkways, ditches, and trails, attempting to pry open multiple points of entry, particularly windows, leaving multiple points of escape open, especially windows as well as house, garage, and garden doors moving removed window screens onto beds or into bedrooms, placing warning items such as dishes or bottles against doors and on door handles, wearing gloves to not leave fingerprints behind.
1: Smart moves by this guy. I think a lot based on his profession that we'll learn later in the story. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Allows him to think yeah. like this, yeah. yeah. After a spree of
2: 18 months, the ransackers' crimes took a darker turn on September 11th, 1975. On this date, a man who is strongly believed to be the ransacker broke into the home of Claude Snelling, age 45, a journalism professor at the College of the Sequoia, and who had previously chased a prowler discovered under his daughter's window around 10 p.m. on February 5, 1975, was awakened around 2 a.m. by strange noises in his home. Upon leaving his bedroom, Snelling shouted and ran through the open back door and confronted a ski masked intruder in his carport attempting to kidnap his daughter, who had been subdued with threats of being stabbed or shot. Snelling was then shot twice, staggered back into the house to his wife, and later died. Goddamn. After the shooting, the assailant fled the scene, leaving behind a stolen bicycle at 615 Redwood Street. After the murder, Beth Snelling, age 16, who's a cheerleader at Mount Whitney High School, underwent hypnosis in order to gather further details. The Visalia Police Department also committed more resources to apprehending the ransacker, and a $4,000 reward was posted. Nighttime stakeouts were set up near houses that he had previously proud, but the ransackings
0: continued. If only hypnosis worked, this all could have been solved right then and there, and then we wouldn't have uh, you know, had all these murders and rapes to mm-hmm. talk about.
1: Do you even science, Mike?
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't believe in science. <laughs> so, so here's my
1: question about this. So I looked it up. The population of Vesalia was 50,000 people in 1975. So it's not a very big town. Why continue to operate in the same uh, location, you know, when they're clearly on to you at least a little bit and staking you out? It's, right. ris- it's risky. Yeah. That's Maybe that's just part of the thrill.
2: Yeah, I think I think and especially when we get into part 2 and we see how clustered a lot of this stuff is, I, I think a lot of it is the thrill, you know, and then we'll we'll get into in part 2 as well when the media starts reporting things that he doesn't do, then he turns around and does them. Mm. So, I think it is a lot of thrill and a lot of uh like you can't catch me type of stuff. Yeah, I believe it. Around 8.30 p.m. on December 12, 1975, a masked man entered the backyard of a house near where the ransacker had been reported to operate. When Detective William McGowan on stakeout inside the garage attempted to detain the man, the suspect shrieked, removed his mask, and surrendered after McGowan fired a warning shot.
1: Okay, so we got him. The story's almost over. It's going to be a short one tonight.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. However, after jumping the fence, he also pulled out a revolver with his left hand and fired once near McGowan's face, shattering his flashlight. Nearby officers rushed to aid McGowan, and the shooter was able to escape. Items collected as evidence included the flashlight, tennis shoe tracks, and dropped stolen items consisting
0: of blue-chip stamps and a blue sock full of coins. He, so did this officer get a look at him then? when he You know, he took the mask off before he, he ran away, so did they, did he get... Did he see something at least? He did get a look at him, and that's when
2: where one of the first sketches comes from. But oh, okay. when he shot that flashlight, all the glass like shot up into the officer's eyes. Yeah,
1: no, well, that would that would hinder. Mm, so close, goddamn! I wonder how many yeah, stories think, like this would we be talking about if not for you know a lucky break early on. Yeah, and, right.
2: And that's like the luckiest break ever for this guy. I mean, he was. He was caught. Yeah.
1: He was done. Amazing.
2: The Vesalia Police Department alongside the Tuller County Sheriff's Office and California Highway Patrol investigated and slowly pieced together all of the reported incidents. Some incidents were not immediately reported given their trivial nature like stealing coins from piggy banks or because nothing of value seemed to have been taken. However, given the voyeurism, the personal nature of the thefts, the focus on girls' photos or women's clothing the deliberate ransacking behavior or the theft of a pair of items, a darker motive seemed to be at play. And then people would find like pictures of their daughters moved around and things like that. That's
1: creepy. So they anticipated it was going to escalate then based on that.
2: Yeah. Right around when they got the sketch. I mean, even leading up to the sketch, like the theme that it sounded like was like when that 12, that stretch of, 12 break-ins in one day happened they're like okay this guy's escalating and he's gonna get really dangerous
1: how is that even possible man like boom 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 and you know i I watched some uh a couple of documentaries on this and they had some of the victims the pictures that they took back then i mean when we say ransacking you mean fucking ransacking because there was shit everywhere over the entire house (laughs) it was crazy yeah that's
2: what
0: yeah you like purposely would just fuck with people's stuff and just throw it everywhere it it really was like his calling card. Like that's just what he wanted to do. He just wanted to leave a, a mess, like you in college, but a different mess. Oh, I haven't left messes, pally. <laughs> Eight seconds worth. <laughs> if I was lucky, that's if I had enough alcohol in me to numb me for a few seconds. <laughs>
2: Furthermore, given the number of Mount Whitney High School students targeted in the incidents, the location of the crimes around the College of the Sequoias, and eyewitness reports, investigators suspected a student may have been involved, and 21 of the 37 main suspects listed by police by late 1975 were teens. Despite physical analysis and the unusual presence or use of hand lotions, no sign of semen was detected at crime scenes. Well,
1: is not by a naval yard, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I love those delayed ones where it takes two seconds before <laughs> you can do. Something. All right. Well, maybe the guy was just dry. You
0: know, he just needed some <laughs> need to lotion the lotion up. You know? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a random but odd, like like just odd thing to do. Like he's he would just come use your lotion, not for anything sexual, just to kind of moisturize his skin, and then go about his business.
1: That's fucking weird. These weird dudes, Size, man. It's really scary. Yeah
2: this this guy might be the scariest person we've ever covered. I
1: think you're right. Just the randomness of this kind of fucking stuff. Yeah.
2: Man. Yeah, and it gets scarier as it goes along. Size nine Converse tennis shoe print and primarchs from various crimes also matched each other. Similarly, ballistics matched the 38 revolvers stolen on August 31st, 1975, with shots fired by its owner during practice to the one used to kill Snelling. Following the second shooting, the ransacker was not to believe to commit another major crime in Visalia, and the investigation remains the most expensive in Visalia's history.
1: Do we need uh, geography lessons here at all? is a little bit south of... uh fresno in california i like to start out with that sometimes
2: yeah so yeah give me that because i don't know i don't know the geography of california it's like northern california okay and then what is sacramento more south sacramento is northwest of vasalia i believe in the sacramento area the crimes progressed from burglary to rape in mid-1976 the crimes initially centered on then unincorporated areas of Carmichael, Citrus Heights, and Rancho Cordova, east of Sacramento. The initial MO was to stalk middle-class neighborhoods at night in search of women who were alone in one-story homes, usually near a school, creek, trail, or other open space that would provide a quick escape. Again, smart,
1: logistically.
2: And before we start going through these, uh, these rapes, some of their names are out there. A lot of them aren't, a lot of them are still anonymous, but even though some of their names are, are out there, we're just going to say victim number one, victim number two, stuff like that. I don't feel comfortable saying these women's names. I agree with you. Good. On about 4 a.m. June 18th, 1976, victim one was awakened by a tapping sound. She noticed the silhouette of a man standing in the doorway to her bedroom and he was tapping with something against her door frame. But Before she could clear her eyes, the light switched on, and there stood a man tapping a large knife against the doorframe. He was wearing a mask and gloves, dark t-shirt, but was naked from the waist down. He was also visibly aroused. She pulled the sheets over her face, and he ran towards her, jumped on her, ripped the sheets off her face, and placed the tip of the knife at her temple and drew blood. God damn. Speaking through clenched teeth in like, an angry whisper, and that is... Something that happens in every case. That's an MO. That's just something he does every time he talks. The angry whisper. Yeah, like just through clenched teeth. He doesn't open his mouth. Said, quote, if you make a move or sound, I'll stick this knife in you. I want to fuck you. He got off her and stood by the bed, commanding her to take off her nightgown. He then told her to roll over and tied her wrist tight with a pre-cut rope. Then went through the room and came back and tied her wrist again with one of her own cloth belts. He told her to roll over again, and then raped her. She opened her eyes only when he was finished. She saw him wipe himself off with a bed sheet, drop it to the floor, and then standing there, he asked her about money, but before she could answer, he told her to shut up. He searched around the room again, found her hair dryer, and tied her ankles with the cord. He doubled it by tying her bra around her ankles as well. Once again, he wandered through the room until he found her nightgown and then tied it around her mouth as a gag. She continued to hear him go through the room, and when he returned, he said, quote, don't move while I am here or I will kill you. He left the bedroom and started going through the drawers in the kitchen. She heard him talking in a low whisper and thought two people are actually whispering back and forth. This seemed to confirm it for her when he spoke in a louder whisper, saying, quote, I told you to shut up.
1: What do we think that's all about? That's what I was going to ask. This is going
2: to be something that, in part two, We're going to see in his, in the string of 39 rapes. That's going to happen in part two. He talks to himself a lot.
0: Interesting. And this whole episode, just like a teaser for part two, like Ian already 37 times has been like, well, in part two, we're going to talk about, (laughs) so tune in next week, do we know, uh, and we may not, because like you said earlier, Ian, like, um, we don't, the, the victims haven't necessarily been identified. Um, do we know how old this victim was? Dude, I did not see that. Okay, but probably just fit the criteria of like a a young female. It's someone between
2: probably 12 to 30 years old. Okay. After it was quiet and there were no sounds for quite some time, the victim struggled and loosened the bindings and dryer cord on her ankle so that she could get up and walk down the hallway. She discovered the back door was open and she tried to shut it with her feet, but the deadbolt was set to lock and this prevented the door from closing. She went for the phone on the kitchen wall and knocked it off the receiver from the cradle, but she could not reach the dial. She then rushed down the hall to her father's bedroom, knocked the receiver off the cradle, dialed from numb fingers behind her back, and then from the floor, spoke into the
1: receiver. Man, it's hard enough to dial on a rotary phone, let alone, you know,
0: tied up. Yeah. You guys guys don't know anything about that. I wouldn't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Numb fingers, too. My grandma had one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, my, I bet my grandma had one. Good, I remember. It. A per, perfect punchline, Ian. Perfect punchline. My grandma had one. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> were those weren't those also the phones that rang really loud and aggressively? They were pretty loud. I think it had, or a or is that just like maybe the volume, ones I've seen? Yeah, a couple volumes. Yeah, like I just remember them being really, really loud. Yeah, you could set it like loud or super fucking loud. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's actually what it said on the phone: yeah. super fucking loud. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you'd have party lines where people share the same line. What is What do you mean? Like you share a line. If you pick it up and someone, because you split the cost of it. So someone down the street, one of your neighbors was sharing the same line. So you could pick it up and listen to their conversations. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, That's if, interesting. If you wouldn't need to make a call, pick it up and they're on it. You got to
0: hang up and wait. Wow. So like, So if someone called that number, both phones would ring?
1: No, I, you didn't have the same phone number, so that would only ring through to your house, but the oh, okay. outgoing was gotcha. shared, yeah. You had to like wait for them to get off the phone? And, right.
2: Wow. Okay. The description of the man was that he weighed about 160 pounds. He might have had dark hair, as the hair on his legs was dark. His legs were muscular, but lean muscular, and his penis was unusually small. The gloves were dark, and he never took them off in her presence. She estimated he was about 20 to 25 years old. He spoke through clenched teeth, barely moving his lips under the mask. She estimated he remained in the house for only 20 minutes. Investigators discovered the house had been ransacked, papers and other items strewn from the drawers. The victim's purse was on the back patio and its contents were scattered on the lawn. A block of wood and a birdbath had been moved and placed under the phone line that leads from the house to one of the telephone poles at the back fence. The man had stepped on it and attempted to cut the phone line. Cut marks were evident on the wire, but he was unsuccessful. There were also fresh cracks in the birdbath, which indicated it started to break
0: underneath him, so he stopped. Mm. How hard is wow. it to cut a phone line? Unless he was just falling, like maybe he couldn't get his balance I guess. and couldn't get cut. I don't know. From
2: here, he went to the back door where he worked the wood of the door jamb to pry the door open. Fresh wood chips were on the patio underneath the knob area of the door. Inside the hall bathroom, two towels were found to be balled up, and there was a Johnson baby oil bottle on the counter. The man had been in the house long enough to find them or brought the bottle and lubricate himself before approaching the bedroom to wake up the victim. The man... Yeah, that's fucking gross. The man brought two pieces of pre-cut rope with him for the bindings, and despite the ransacking of the house, nothing of value was taken.
1: Awful lot of planning went into this. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. It's really thought out
2: and detailed. Mm. Victim number two, age 15, was home alone with her sister, who's age 16. They were watching television until about 10 p.m. and then went to bed. Before going to bed, victim number two checked all locks and doors. About 2 a.m., she was woken up by a hand over her mouth. Through clenched teeth, a voice angrily whispered, quote, shut up, I have a knife, and if you don't shut up, I can kill you she was only half awake and rolled off the bed onto the floor bumping the man's leg in the process she ran out of the room yelling for her sister the man caught her and hit her on the back of the head three or four times though she fell on the floor she was still yelling for her sister and he hit her a couple more times and at this point she decided to fake that she was unconscious he told her to shut up that he had already tied up her sister she didn't respond to him and continued to fake that she was unconscious but the man didn't believe her and got really angry, saying, "Quote, get your hands behind your back."
1: Just the fact that it's a fifteen-year-old makes it ten times worse.
0: Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah, a lot of these first, these first ones we're going to go through are, are younger. You know, like.
0: I mean, they're all pretty disgusting, but then you remember the fact that these are still fucking kids.
1: And just because it, it, it I'm sure it ruins their sex life and you know going forward well, for the rest of their that's life. It's I, just awful.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that earlier, and then. Uh, You know, it said that the girl estimated he was only in the home for about 20 minutes. So in 20 minutes, he single-handedly ruined this girl's life forever, you know, and and the kind of the physical, emotional, and mental stress she's going to have to live with the rest of her life, it's terrible. I think that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me throughout
2: this whole story, reading through all these things, is the amount of... Damage this guy caused to people, like just the lives he ruined, and mm-hmm. not just his victims, but just the so many people around families. I mean, this guy is responsible for ruining
0: hundreds of lives. Sure. So is he? Is he uh, in contention for the Mount Rushmore of biggest pieces of shit we've ever covered? He's got to be. A, gotta he's got to be, be yeah. number one. I
2: think. Mm-hmm. In
0: all honesty, I don't know much about him, so I'm learning as we go through this. Surprise,
2: surprise. <laughs> he tied the victim's hands behind her back very tightly. He leaned in close to her ear and through the clenched teeth, said, quote, You do everything I want, and I will fill my bag and leave. The man then shoved the sock into her mouth and tied a towel around her head to hold the gag. He tied her feet tightly, then he grabbed her and dragged her to the to her bedroom. He threw her on the bed stomach down and said, quote, If you move or make the bed twinge, I'll kill you.
1: If somebody put something in my mouth like that and taped my mouth shut, I think I would gag and suffocate and vomit down my throat. Yeah, I agree. That's horrific. I have a terrible... I can barely brush my teeth, my gag reflex, let alone (laughs) have this something shoved in it. Boy, he would not do well in prison, Dave. Oh,
2: man. The man then left the bedroom and went to the kitchen, living room, and other bedrooms. She could hear him going through everything. He would slam drawers closed, came back and checked on her, and then left and continued going through things. He came back again and then tied a towel around her head so she could not see. Victim number two estimates that 15 minutes after he came back and turned the light on, he untied her feet, pulled down her underwear, and then raped her for about two minutes. After he was done, he tied her ankles again. He asked her where the money was kept, and she nodded toward her dresser where she had $6 saved. He pulled out the drawers, dumped the contents on the floor, and then threw down the drawers. He then left the room, went to her sister's, and looked in more drawers. He returned and stood over the victim in saying, quote, I knew when I saw you at junior prom, I had to fuck you. What a weird thing to say. This is a thing because she didn't believe him. She had a junior prom picture on her dresser with her boyfriend's name on the back of the picture. And she assumed that he had seen that. Mm. And that is going to be a running theme through all of these that it's doesn't seem like it's about the rape specifically. It's about just putting as much fear into these victims as possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm starting to sense just, that. Yeah, like emotionally and mentally, just destroying them. Yeah, as much as you are,
2: just physically. He then raped her again. He left the room and then starting started going through the house again. This time, he spent a lot of time going through things. And when he finally came back, he raped her for a third time.
1: What's the interlude about here? It's not really about looking for money. Just inflicting terror with the weight, like you were saying. It, pre- it, yeah,
2: yeah, it's the fear aspect of it. He's not really looking for anything,
0: no. Because he never like maybe, takes maybe anything. just yeah. maybe the thrill of it, the thrill of it, right? Like that's what he probably you know gets into.
1: Yeah, making her suffer.
0: Yeah, I mean, like he takes
2: he takes things from these places, but it's real trivial shit, like mm-hmm. driver's licenses mm-hmm. and things like that. It's not anything of value. He then left the room, and it was silent for about three minutes. There had been no sounds in the house. She got the towel off of her head and noticed that it was now 4.30 a.m. So, I mean, he was in there for two hours doing this. Mm. She was then able to make it to her sister's room. At this moment, her sister had loosened her hands enough to get free. She cut the bindings off of victim number two and then called the police from the master bedroom. The investigation revealed footprints were outside the victim's sister's window, which indicated he had watched her for however long. This meant he had to pass the victim's bedroom in the hallway in order to get to her sister and bind her first. Thus, it seemed to, you know, intended to do exactly what he did, bind the sister first and then rape the victim. Oddly, there were no footprints by the victim's window at all. He had not bothered to stop and even check if she was in bed or sleeping. It seemed that he already knew where they slept, indicating he must have been very familiar with the household already.
1: He's running a stakeout.
2: For sure. He probably cased this place mm-hmm. multiple nights leading up to this. Ugh,
1: can you imagine this creeps outside your window for days just watching you? It's so weird.
0: Ugh. Well, and some of this stuff I think we're here going to talk about in a little bit. Like looking up and seeing like this, this outline of a man in your window looking at you. Yeah, that's dude. fucking terrifying. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think we talked about this before. That's, that's one of the reasons why I close every blind in my house at night. Because I don't want to look out my window and see someone fucking standing there. It's creepy.
1: You'd never sleep again. No, I'm gonna come over after the show. I'm scratch <laughs> on your window. I think
0: you said the same thing last time. You were gonna like tap on my window. I did it. You didn't hear me. <laughs> you were passed out drunk. I'm like this fucking drunk yeah. asshole. Yeah. I came this over guy. to scare I, the shit out of him. Huh? Yeah, got his hands on his pants. He's passed yeah, right. out on the carpet with tissue all around him, and Britney Spears videos playing on the TV. <laughs>
1: A spoon of a couple of spaghettios Mike. on your chin just laying there
0: <laughs> just like like the sauce staying around my nah. mouth from the spaghettios That's how Mike parties
2: <laughs> The girl's parents had been away on a church outing for three days The absence of footprints outside the master bedroom indicated that he knew that these girls were alone Four pieces of string of equal length had been used to tie the victims. It did not match any in the home, also proving he had come fully prepared to bind two people. Two empty beer cans were found in the kitchen. Both girls insisted they did not come from the house. Since neither reported smelling beer on his breath, he may have just relaxed and drank them after he was finished and before he left. There were no other footprints found,
0: so there was no accomplice. Mm.
1: And this guy brings it's, his I, own I,
0: beer to toast himself afterwards creep yeah right that's what like i was thinking about like imagine being and i mean you can't imagine being in this situation because none of us would would be this sadistic and fucked up but like you're able to just go like relax and sip and have casually have a couple beers you know while you're breaking into a home and committing these heinous crimes like that's just that's crazy
1: probably no elevated blood pressure just nothing right yikes
2: the footprint impressions indicated that the man was wearing a type of hiking boot, and scuff marks on the inside of the back fence indicated that he left over the fence. So, I mean, just two rapes in, you're already getting similar M.O.s as the Vesalia Ransacker mm-hmm. burglaries. On August 29th, 1976, the 12-year-old daughter of, uh, of a homeowner was awakened by a breeze stirring the wind chimes outside her window. The window was near the head of her bed, and when looking up towards the chimes, she saw the head and shoulders of a ski-masked figure at her open window. Oh my god, what
1: an absolute nightmare. Yeah,
2: see, this is what I mean, like, that's fucking terrifying. This man started to attempt to pry off the screen. Upon noticing her, the man stared straight into her eyes, but he didn't immediately move. Instead, according to the witness, he just slowly lowered out of sight. (laughs) Oh my god,
1: this is horror movie stuff here, man. Oh, yeah, this
2: is yeah. real creepy. She ran to the master bedroom where her mother was sleeping. Her father had left for work at 10:30 PM and was not home. She woke up her mother and told her a man with a ski mask was at her window trying to get in her mother ran to the bedroom and looked out into the backyard, but couldn't see anyone. And at first her mother wondered whether or not she had a bad dream or something. The 12 year old girl insisted it was a man with a mask. And he was trying to pry off the screen. Her mother went to the living room and looked out the back sliding glass door and again could see no one. Her mother decided to wake up her older daughter, who was age 15, in her own bedroom. Her older daughter was initially uninterested and just suggested that they call the police and she went back
0: to sleep. <laughs> she, was, she was having none of this. <laughs> yeah. Like, call the fucking police, why are you waking me up? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of calling the police, the
2: mother and 12 year old went back into the girl's bedroom. Upon entering, both saw the masked man at the window. After seeing them, the masked man turned and disappeared toward the back fence. The girl and her mother ran to call the police, but in their panic, they forgot to close the window. While waiting for the police to pick up, both of them heard the chimes and drapery rod crash. Within moments, the masked man stood behind them. He commanded them through the clenched teeth, quote, freeze or I'll kill you. Hang up the phone now.
1: The balls on this guy to come back in when they're on the phone with police.
2: Oof. I know. This would not happen in today's technology because, you know, back then there's no caller ID or anything. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as you call 9 one they got your number
1: and everything, you right, know. Right, right. But, yeah. And also, also this is a uh, right out the front door scenario. Not waiting to call the police. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I see the guy running for the back door. I'm running out the front. Yeah, right. To a neighbor's
2: house immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in hindsight, that's probably the best option. The woman immediately hung up the phone, and as the masked man came close to her, she fought back. He began to hit her in the head until she fell to the floor. Although she was laying on the kitchen floor, she was still conscious. He ordered them to get into the living room, when there, ordered them to sit on the couch. You know, obviously, the mom's begging him to leave them alone. As he pulled out a cut towel from the back of his belt, saying, quote, I only want your money. He grabbed the woman's arms and pulled them behind her to bind them. The woman didn't believe he was there for money because he was naked from the waist down, so she kept fighting back.
1: Good for mom.
2: She broke free and ran for the door. The man ran after her and started hitting her on the head repeatedly. She grabbed the door handle, opened it, and ran outside with her daughter close behind Screaming for help, they ran across the front lawn to the next door neighbors, and the masked man went across the street. Having heard everything in the house, the 15-year-old had taken the screen off of her window, got out, hopped the fence, saw her mother and sister running across the lawn, and followed them. Their neighbor opened the door, and all three made it inside to safety. Goddamn. Mm. Another neighbor across the street noticed four people running from the house. One a man ran across the street and crouched behind the neighbor's bushes. The other three, all women, ran across to their neighbor's house, one screaming for help. She reported that the male who ran across the street watched the other three enter the house, then he stood up and just
0: casually walked away. That's that like that's what like Dave said earlier. That's like horror movie shit. Like that's exactly what like Michael Myers. Yeah, like whole, dude. And plus yeah, he doesn't no freak out. Urgency. Yeah, he just stays yeah. calm. We'll be right back. We like to drink beer a lot of it. Since 2010, Just Brew Coffee has worked tirelessly to perfect the roasting process and technique, which has resulted in seriously delicious, always flavorful, and never bitter tasting coffee. If you're already drinking JBC, raise your mug. If you're not, raise your standards. Check out their online store at youjustbrew.com and up your coffee game today. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your order of two pounds or more. And remember, they roast,
1: you just brew.
2: The man struck again on September 4th, 1976, and then again on October 5th, 1976. The attack on victim number five actually started with a break-in on September 20th. Victim number five called the police on September 20, 1976 reporting a break-in. While vacuuming, she noticed some mud or dirt on her three-year-old son's bedroom carpet under his window. This window overlooks their backyard. Her first thought was to check for missing valuables. In doing this, she was surprised to discover that she was missing some inexpensive like costume jewelry. Mm,
1: Mike's not real uh, familiar with inexpensive jewelry since his nickname in college was Pearl Necklace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very true fact.
1: <laughs> I'd like to give the old girls a, the, old, <laughs> the old Pearl Necklace from time <laughs> to time. Yeah. Costume jewelry just didn't work for him.
0: Saves you uh, a fortune at the jewelry store, too.
2: (laughs) Since the expensive jewelry had not been touched, she first thought she might have put the inexpensive stuff somewhere else. However, in going through her drawers, she had the sense that someone had carefully gone through them already. Upon going into the backyard with the responding officer, she accompanied him to her son's bedroom window where the deputy noticed that someone had stepped in mud under the window. He also noticed pry marks on the screen and window lock and the blue sock in the backyard. The victim recognized this sock to belong to her
1: husband. That is creepy as fuck right there. Yes. Yeah, mm. And just that going in your drawer and noticing something is off and you can't really place what's off. It's eerie. Yeah,
2: that it's would an be an eerie weird, feeling. That'd yeah. be odd. The responding officer assumed that a kid had broken in the house and stolen some inconsequential jewelry just... Did, thought it was expensive and mm-hmm. it really wasn't, and, and used the sock as a glove to not leave fingerprints. And like I was just saying, like since nothing of value was taken and there had been no vandalizing, this seemed to the woman this seemed like a reasonable, a reasonable thing.
1: Are they aware at this point of what's going on in the city or no? I don't think so, right? I don't think it was
2: public yet, right? Like, n- no. From watching the HBO, because I've been watching the HBO documentary series. Do you like that? I don't like it. This.
1: I don't think it's put together very
0: well. It's okay. I don't like it. It's not great. Yeah. It's not put together as well as this series is going to be. Wow. <laughs> Clearly.
2: <laughs> it was this victim where they realized that this they had a serial rapist on their hands.
1: Okay. So I'm just thinking that in that scenario, maybe she'd be a little more hesitant if she knew what else was going on in the the area. I don't even know what scenario means. (laughs) It's your loss, pal.
2: In questioning her about anything unusual, she stated that she was getting hang-up phone calls for about two weeks. There was someone on the other end, but they wouldn't speak and then they would just hang up. She continued to receive hang-up phone calls. However, as the calls continued, she began to get nervous her husband was a captain in the Air Force, and the victim herself was in the reserves, being stationed at Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield. Her husband was frequently gone all day from early morning till evening. On October 3rd, 1976, she received the last of the hang-up phone calls. She got angry with the caller and told them to stop. Without any strong emotion in, in that whisper-through-clenched-teeth voice, the caller said, quote, I'm going to kill your husband.
1: Mm. That wouldn't make a good crank yankers call, I don't think. <laughs> no. it's not really funny, no.
2: Whether the caller intended to say more, we don't know because she hung up the phone immediately and checked the windows in, and doors to make sure that they were locked. Her husband was not available at the base when she called, so she called the police. A deputy did respond, but there was little he could do but calm her down by suggesting that it was kids responsible again. She went next door to her neighbors with her three-year-old boy and waited with the neighbor for her husband to return. Nothing happened on Monday, October 4th. In the early morning hours of Tuesday, October 5th, her husband got up as usual and prepared to go to Travis Air Force Base. He left home around 6.30 a.m. At this time, victim number five was still in bed with her three-year-old son, who had crawled in just minutes before. She heard her husband close the front door only minutes passed, and the victim heard a series of clicks and then heard footsteps running down the hall. There in her bedroom doorway was a masked man. The mask only had holes for eyes, and he
1: had a knife raised over his head. I, this is just crazy on so many levels. I mean, let alone coming back to a house where you already had the cops out there. And then a couple of minutes at, after the husband leaves,
0: like he could have, you know, I forgot my coffee or something, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. The risk. I, at I, this, Yeah. At this point, like if you're her... You've already been receiving these threatening calls that and all like, all these calls saying he's going to kill your husband wouldn't at this point you be sleeping with like a gun or a knife under your pillow like knowing Absolutely. that your husband was going to be leaving to go to work like and I'm not even like big on on having weapons but at this point like you got to do something to protect yourself I feel like it's just it's terrifying
2: Absolutely both she and her child were tied up by the man he tied her hands behind her back and used the sheets to tie her legs bound at both legs and arms the boy was set on the floor again he the man kept saying he only wanted money and that that reminds me of btk like this almost this assurance to just keep going along with it because i only want money
1: that's true yeah very similar
2: he put the knife to her throat and pushed it in and out slightly though he did not draw blood He warned her that if she did not do what he wanted, he would kill both her and her child. She then heard him tearing clothes or sheets in the room, and he left the room and walked around the house. He came back to the bedroom checking on her, and before his final return, she heard him move a chair by the front door. Finally, he returned and said he had the money and was going to leave. She relaxed a bit but then heard towels being torn near the bed. The man then put his penis in her bound hands and told her, quote, play with it. She attempted to do so, but complained that her hands were tied too tightly, to which he said, quote, shut up.
1: I thought you were going to say that his penis was too small for her to play with.
0: (laughs) Yeah, seriously. This guy's got a lot of confidence for being a, you know, tiny dangle guy. Yeah, that's something throughout all these, like,
2: abnormally small. I think it might have something to do with his... uh,
0: Hating women?
2: Yeah, I think so. He untied her feet and then raped her. After he finished, he told her he was going to the kitchen to make something to eat. She heard the frying pan being used, and after a while, the house was silent. And she got up and made it out the back door and called the neighbor's child for help. So mm. that's a, that's even more bold. You're just going to cook yourself some food.
0: Yeah, seriously. Like, there's just no, no uh, sense of urgency with him. Like, he's just making himself at home.
2: None. Mm. Sheriff's detectives discovered that the house had been ransacked, about 160 dollars had been stolen. The man had entered through the boy's bedroom window again, and he left through the back door. Detectives also noted the presence of white shoelaces with the torn towels, and they did not belong to the household. The three-year-old boy had not been harmed, and what he thought was the man was a doctor examining
1: his mother. Jesus Please. Christ! I'm sure he, f- you know, found out later. What does that yeah, do right. to somebody? God damn.
2: A bloodhound was used in this case. The dog found the trace of the man and followed it to the backyard fence. Sheriffs followed the hound through the field behind the house, through an orchard being bulldozed for a development, and then onto a street behind the development. A canvas of the neighborhood uncovered witnesses who had seen a strange man four days before in the early morning. He drove a dark green car like a Chevy Vega. In one encounter at 6.15 a.m. a few days prior to the rape, a homeowner stood on her porch and was surprised to see this man stare back at her from her driveway. After a moment, he got into his vega and drove off. Furthering that this person with the vega may have been the rapist is the fact that the bloodhound lost the scent at the area where the vegas was said to have been parked. The very morning of the attack at 7 a.m., a witness had come out of his house and noticed the Vega parked in the same spot, and it was gone by 8.30 (laughs) a.m.
1: I'm sure that was it. Yep. Too bad there was no parking ticket, right? Like with Son of Sam?
2: Yeah. The man continued to attack women and teenagers, and again, in some of these cases, there were children present. Kids did not stop him from... From going ahead and doing what he what he planned to do.
1: Just right in front of him, huh?
2: Yep. Or he would a few, he took him to a different room, but yeah. yeah. That's dark. That's really dark. Yeah, it, it takes it to a whole, yeah. whole different level. Yeah. Victim number six was attacked on October 9th, 1976. Victim number seven was October 18th, 1976. Victim eight was also October 18th, 1976. victim number nine november 10th
0: 1976 so he's picking up here picking up steam so such short time too like damn seven and eight on the same day to
2: put some of this in context as to what was going on in the community no one was really aware of a serial rapist in the area The police knew, like we were saying earlier, after Rape number 5, that they had a serial rapist on their hands because the MO was exactly the same every time. But the mayor didn't want to cause panic in the community as he had confidence that the police would would catch this guy.
1: He didn't want to freak everybody out. Conversely, the guy had uh, confidence that the police would not catch him, as bold (laughs) as he
2: was. (laughs) On November fourth, nineteen 1976, in between Rape 8 and 9, the media ban was lifted and the Sacramento Bee published a story that there was a serial rapist in the community and
1: he quickly became known as the East Area Rapist. Mm. So let me throw this out there with the media ban being lifted. So November 4th, 1976 is two days after election day. Was the mayor concerned about being reelected and put off uh, letting the word go out until after the election? Interesting. Because mm. that's kind of shit is usually politically driven, you know don't want to yeah, cause panic, right. don't want anyone to think that I'm not in control of the city.
0: That makes sense. That's my
1: theory of the day. I didn't I would have never even thought of that. That's a good theory.
0: People can ponder that now all week until part 2. <laughs>
2: <laughs> On December 18th, 1976, the East Area Rapist would commit his final rape for 1976. For 3 weeks prior to the date of the attack, victim number 10, age 15, received hang up phone calls at 6:15 On the night of the attack, her parents left for a Christmas party. She had a cold and decided to stay home. She was playing the piano when she heard a sharp crack coming from the yard and it caught her attention. No further sounds were heard, so she continued to play the piano. Moments later she heard something, turned, and looked over her left shoulder and there was a masked man standing there with a knife to her throat. The typical language of the East Area Rapist followed. He told her he would kill her if she moved, and then asked her if she had any money. After she said no, he asked a significant question, quote, When are your parents coming back? Before she could reply, he warned her, quote, You better tell me so I'll know how much time I have. Ugh. She didn't know, so he ordered her to get up. He put the knife to her neck, and a typical line followed, quote, get moving, if you say anything or flinch, I'll push this knife all the way in and I will be gone in the dark of the night. He pushed her through the garage and into the backyard. She saw him remove a cord from his pocket. He tied her hands behind her and told her he was going to tie her to a post, saying, quote, if you try to look at my face, I'll kill you.
1: Can you imagine how terrifying this is for a 15-year-old girl?
0: That's, uh, wow. I, I- couldn't and it's just like we said earlier like this just this ruins the rest of your life yeah
2: yeah I mean it it, like I know from like we said earlier we didn't I like I didn't feel comfortable saying these women's names but I've you know you can go out and watch documentaries on it some of them have come forward and talked about it and they've been able to move past it you know but I mean yeah it fucks up a whole chunk of your life and something that you're just never gonna forget or get. you know
0: right right yeah I mean, how do you go on, like, trusting guys after this, you know, after something like this happens? It just—that will ruin you forever. Yeah, I have my thoughts on this guy, but I'll save
2: him for part three at
0: the end. Man, now a teaser for part three.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm sure we sound like idiots talking because we have no idea what it's like, but still. I'm sure you're right.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's another good point, too, is— You can't even imagine. Yeah, I would have no idea. Yeah, right, we don't know yeah i mean as a guy you'd have no idea what
0: that would be like so what we're trying to say is like every other episode we have no fucking clue what we're talking about <laughs> we're just kind of spouting off here and hoping for the best he
2: then pushed her on the picnic table and tied her ankles he then tied her feet to one of the patio's overhang posts shoved a cloth in her mouth and gagged her he also blindfolded her by tying towel strips around her head he then warned her, quote, I'll be watching you every 10 seconds from the window. She then heard the man going through the house, opening drawers in the cupboards. Then he silently returned. She was not aware he was there until he said through clenched teeth again, quote, have you ever fucked a guy? She said no, and then he stood her up, removed her pants, and cut her bra with his knife. After he took her back to her parents' bedroom, he raped her. He brought her out to the family room, turned on the gas fireplace and raped her again. He raped her twice in the family room and once in the master bedroom. He put the knife to her throat and demanded that she say that she liked it.
1: This is the worst one. I don't know why, but this is
2: just awful. It's specifically, uh,
0: he's having a lot more interaction with her, which mm -hmm. I think at least that we're discussing, which I think makes it worse. Like, you know, Making her say that she liked it, asking her if she's ever fucked a man and making her answer. Like, I don't know, it's just, this one's like more, seems more personal than the other ones.
2: Yeah. Sheriffs discovered the fence between the neighbors had been pushed over. It held a clear shoe print of the man. He had pushed the old fence over with his right foot. The print showed he was wearing tennis shoes. This was only the second time he was known to wear tennis shoes, and the pattern of the sole was a zigzag victim number 10's clothes were found in the neighbor's yard including a white shoelace dangling from their tree the living room furniture had been had been moved for some unknown reason
1: fucking weirdo
2: yeah and I know from watching something with her talking about this whole thing she thought that because he moved it towards the fireplace she thought initially that he was just gonna like burn down the house or something Mm. after a crackling sound had been heard by the victim which seems to be the fence falling down under his foot there was little time before he was in the house and by her side. However, investigation proved that he had tied the victim up with her sister's shoelace. Thus, the sounds that caused the victim to stop playing were either him in the house preparing things in advance or, more likely, he had entered the home before and took the shoelaces before coming back that night. Yeah. So that's a whole different ball game at that point if he already broke into the house once and then, came, you know... Took the binds now Mm -hmm. and then came back with them. Investigators noticed that this victim was the first to have hair above her shoulders. All previous victims had long hair. However, a portrait of the victim on the wall showed her with long hair. She had only recently cut it. This picture, according to the parents, had been moved and they had no explanation for this.
1: This asshole has a type, huh? Wasn't there something with Berkowitz where he liked a particular type? So the women walking around New York City were wearing wigs or dyeing their hair. Yeah, I think they they I remember he, that. Yeah.
2: They thought it was. Um, they had the theory that it was women with long brunette hair, so they were all cutting their hair, dyeing it, buying yeah, their yeah, wigs. Yeah, I thought so. A band aid was found on the picnic table, and it contained a spot of blood that did not belong to the victim. The blood was tested, revealing it was type A, as in case number nine. The victim's neighbor had also had a daughter in similar age. Both of these residents had been receiving hang-up calls for three weeks. The man did not cut the phone line, and victim number 10 had gotten free after the man left and dialed the neighbors who came over and cut her bonds. Police were no closer to catching the rapist, and the community was starting to panic. 1977 would prove to be a rapid escalation in the rapist's crimes, And that's where we will pick up um, part two.
1: That is a completely disturbing disturbing story. No, it was awful.
0: Yeah, this this was not fun one bit.
2: Nope, and it only gets worse from here.
0: (laughs) Wow, can't wait for next week. (laughs) Jesus. Ooh, salivating thinking about those notes. Mm. Still have 39 rapes.
2: And I want to say off the top of my head, 10 or 13
0: murders. God damn the prolific son of a bitch this guy and he just keeps gaining more and more nicknames too as we go through this yeah obviously he's... none as none as cool as screen door intruder but still <laughs> so all right I want to end this one uh, uh, on a little bit of a happier note something a little bit more fun. It's why I was quiet the last couple of minutes is because I was over here scribbling notes down for what I was going to ask you guys. So I apologize. We're working but on the fly, wonder, buddy. Applause. Yeah, yeah. Nice well, job. I'm trying. <laughs> That's great. I, well, well, this has been a heavy episode, and you know we didn't have a whole lot of fun during this one. Obviously, it's you know it's a disgusting story. So I got a few topics here. Uh, one, two, three. We got five of them. I'm going to give you a list of things, and in each category, you you can keep you have to keep one the rest are gone forever okay yes so number 1 chain restaurants you have to keep one and the other 3 are gone forever applebees olive garden outback steakhouse red lobster what are you keeping and what what three are what, just what are you keeping
1: not keeping any of them <laughs>
0: Nope, that's not the game. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> also, shame on you. Olive Garden, I don't give a shit what people say. Olive Garden is fucking phenomenal. That's what I it would say. It is keep good. Olive Garden I is get me. so pissed when people are like, oh, it's Olive Garden. It's not authentic Italian. Fuck you. It tastes amazing. <laughs> it tastes good. And I, I've been to Little Italy and Cleveland. There's delicious, authentic Italian food. But get over yourself if you hate Olive Garden. I'm sorry. I, I, it's fucking delicious. It's not delicious. It is absolutely delicious. I do enjoy the lunch
1: of unlimited salad, soup, and breadsticks, but the salad regular I food agree. is just not great.
0: I, I agree that, that the, being uh, said, I, I don't think I've a- <laughs> Applebee's Olive Garden Outback Steakhouse Red Lobster. I know you ain't choosing red lobster. Ugh. So Ian, Ian and I were both are we both Olive Garden guys? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I love Olive Garden. I have no shame in admitting that.
0: I, I think it's delicious. I agree. Well, some things, <laughs> some things. I have had not good things there, but I've had good things there also. Mm. That five cheese penne is fucking bomb. Well, Dave, come on, you got to pick one here. <laughs> I, I'm gonna pick Olive Garden too because I like going to have their $6.99 lunch. Okay. Oh, so I didn't know you were answering there. All right. Well, that's so, a clean sweep for that one. I'll take it. All right. Here we fun. go. This is Co- coffee places. You got to keep one. Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, Tim Hortons. Caribou coffee. You keep one. Mm, I keep Duncan, I guess.
2: I, I would keep Starbucks because I like that nitro brew coffee.
0: All right. Well, we're going to go three different answers because I'm t- ke- keeping Tim Hortons. I fucking love Tim Hortons. Yeah. We don't have those up and here, though. There's one. Uh, I think they built one down in Ashland. That's the mm. closest one now. Mm. But uh, they, I think they have the best breakfast food of those places. All right. I got three more here. Hopefully, these are fun ones. Fast food. We might have already done this one, but anyways. Wendy's, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Arby's. It's tough one. I'm keeping Wendy's. (laughs) I could have guessed that one. (laughs) I'm keeping Taco Bell. Yeah, me too. It's tough between Taco Bell and Wendy's, but I'm keeping Taco Bell. All right. Staying on the food thing. Keep one. Tacos, pizza, cheeseburgers, wings. Chicken wings. Mm. Tacos, pizza, burgers, wings. Keep I'm one. Keep, I'm keeping wings. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is an impossible. Dave, I'll give choice. you a minute. I'll give you. I'll give you a minute. This was tough for me too because I love chicken wings. But in the end, I have to go with pizza. I just. I love pizza too much. But wings that would that pains me because I love chicken wings. What was the third option? It was tacos, pizza, burgers, burgers. and wings.
1: I do love tacos.
0: Coming from the guy who said Mexican food's overrated. Oh, I like tacos.
1: It's not Mexican food. Kind of.
0: Well, I mean, it is. I go with pizza. Sorry. Tacos. All right. All right. Last one. You have to keep one of them, meaning they're just around. I don't know what it means exactly. Golden State Killer, Richard Ramirez, BTK, Timothy McVeigh. You have to let one live then? Live or that? Yeah, I guess one of them like lives. The other three are put to death. Doesn't mean the one who lives is
2: free, but he's just alive. I would let Richard Ramirez live. I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, man. Of scumbags. Yeah, you
0: know what? I was the same way. Richard Ramirez. Keep him. Yeah, I try to think of the four scuzziest people, and that was just off the top of my head. What I thought of. Of course, this is what I'm doing while Ian's trying to tell us a story, and I'm (laughs) supposed to be listening. (laughs) So, all right. Well, that was all I had. That was uh, that was my fun for the night. I, I enjoyed that. Interlude, thank you. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> Not, now day. I and want some tacos,
1: <laughs> though, buddy.
0: <laughs> Even though you picked pizza.
1: <laughs> Even though I picked pizza, I want tacos.
0: <laughs> well, you can go to Taco Bell, which you saved, so technically you could do that. I might go. Yeah. Um, I do like going back to the, the chain restaurants. Olive Garden has those wonton tacos. On that, the appetizers, those are actually pretty fucking good. I really like those. I think I've ever had those? Pretty tasty. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. All right, we got anything else, uh, Ian? You got anything else you want to throw in here for part one of uh, Golden State Killer?
2: Uh, no. I think I'm good on it. I'm good. Hopefully, no one was upset that we didn't name the victims, but.
0: I and just we, didn't yeah.
2: feel comfortable doing it. Just something I just didn't. I didn't feel like it added to the story
0: to give out people's names. Well, and I think rape. And like you, we had kind of talked off air in this situation. I think what ninety percent of the victims that we talked about today are we we don't know their names or have their names. So it really, I don't know if it made sense to just list one person. Um, but you know, just trying to be respectful to people and you know not give out their information given the horrific experiences they've had with this piece of shit. Dave, you got anything else? Uh,
1: No, not really looking forward to next
0: week. No. And then the week after that as well. Come on, man. Quite a fun July we got going (laughs) on here. Um, all right. Well, we got some Patreon shout outs. Again, we are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We have a $1 tier, a $5 tier and a $10 tier. There are, um, different perks for those, uh, those different levels. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod We have some new patrons to give shoutouts to. So, thank you very much to Olivia, naive, the Naively Optimistic Podcast, Brad Stanton, Jason Browning, Chrissy, uh, Afivas, Andrew Thompson, Aaron Badkey, Kyle Gillespie, Ashley Bernhardt, uh, Louise Sabalos, Sabellos, Luis Sabellos, probably. Sorry if I butchered that. Laura Patterson, Dana Buner, Michelle Nelson, P.H. Death, Ginger Beck, Daisy B., James, Mike Ossenbergs, Jordan Lane, Jennifer Brown, and Scott Cux. Scott
1: Cux, Thank you, you, you fucked that guy's wife last week, didn't you?
0: <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> that's, that's why he's got that name. In all fairness, it is spelled differently, but you know oh, we all right. allowed that. Yeah. Coming soon to Cucks Across America. Yeah.
1: Because you were banging Spin his wife, off. making him watch, and then you made him sign up for Patreon <laughs> as you were doing his wife, right?
0: <laughs> oh, God. This is all from bonus content that people aren't going to get. But this is, see, this is jokes that you will understand if you're on patreon.com slash necronomapod and you're at the $5 level and listen, can listen to our bonus content. All kinds of spinoff shows possibly coming your way. You never know. So anyways, but thank you very much to Scott and to everyone else who signed up uh, to become patrons. We really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Yeah, just joking, Scott. Ian, Sorry about that. <laughs> now this guy's going to come fucking kill me because he thinks I'm banging his wife. <laughs> Ian, uh, and Dave will love it because Dave wants to see someone get their ass kicked, so he's just going to laugh said the whole that. time. Come on.
1: <laughs> Keep your penis on you the tweet, guy's wife. Tweet-
0: <laughs> you tweet Angie Overkill every day asking her to come beat my ass. <laughs> Ian, what do you got for us? For iTunes, I have one for
2: Von Bird and Mooney719.
0: Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. All right. Uh we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Necronomipod. Uh feel free to give us a follow. Um, let us know. You know, we appreciate your guys' feedback, your thoughts, your you have uh, any recommendations for show ideas we're always keeping a master list I think we have we've probably mentioned this before five years worth of material currently on our master list so uh, you know we'll get to things eventually we're just kind of plowing through here so anyways we are on the socials at Necronomapod Uh, also merchandise available on Amazon just go to Amazon and search Necronomapod and I believe uh, all of our stuff is back up there right Dave it is yeah yeah so check it out amazon.com search necronomapod there's t-shirts men's t-shirts women's t-shirts long sleeve shirts hoodies all kinds of good stuff there we got the stickers on the website too stickers on our website at necronomapod.com as well we have a cool little three-pack available for you guys and there's more i believe more designs coming soon to amazon uh that we'll have available so check it out all right you guys ready for a cool down beer cheers